Hello and welcome to another episode of the Get Italian Football News podcast. I'm your host Sam Brooks and I'm joined tonight by Tom Serrett, Raphael Jukobin and James Brooke. Welcome guys. Thank you Sam. Okay, um, so first of all we're going to start off with some news that's been breaking in the past a uh, couple of hours. We're filming, uh, sorry, recording on Tuesday night um, and Napoli's appeal against their forfeited match uh, from when they were due to play Juventus last month, uh, as well as Roma's appeal against their administri- administrative error against Verona at the start of the season, have both been rejected. I'm going to come to you first, Raphael. Are you surprised by the verdicts and, and what are your thoughts on them? Well, I don't think Roma can have much to complain about. Um, obviously, they they had to, they, they appealed it for the sake of it, but I think. It's, it, with an administrative error that's that bad, you know, playing playing a player that's not that's not actually eligible. I think you you know that you can't really have too many complaints about being made to forfeit the game. I think in Napoli's case, though, I, I'm not I'm not too sure about the uh, the appeal being rejected. I think I get I get the idea of the, the you know the Italian FA wants to set an example and you know have their protocols sort of respected sort of to the letter but at the same time when you look at the fact that you know in Italy you've got all these sorts of different organisations setting their own different protocols you know you've got the governments one the local authorities the, the Italian FA the, and the league as well all setting their own different rules I think a situation like this was bound to happen anyway um, I don't think I don't think Napoli are blameless because obviously, you know, I think where they where they got them was the fact that they actually cancelled the um, they cancelled their plane tickets to Turin before the uh, before they actually got a letter from the local authorities telling them that they couldn't travel. So that's what they based the ruling on. But yeah, I think I think in general, this sort of situation was bound to happen anyway. I think I think a mid, sort of a middle ground would have been better. As a ruling, you know, sort of keep the uh, keep the three 0 forfeit loss to uh, to Juventus, but restore the um, the point deduction that they had. I think I think deducting them a point was going a bit too far. I think there was there was there was a sort of compromise to be made there. So I'm not I'm not too sure about that one. Yeah, I think most people uh, were of the opinion that Napoli had more grounds. Uh, for their appeal uh, and were more likely to succeed. Uh, but obviously that hasn't been the case in the end. What are your thoughts on it, Tom? Do you feel Napoli have been a bit harshly done by and common sense hasn't really prevailed here? I have to agree with Rafael that I feel like Napoli have been harshly done by, but the middle ground has to be found. I have seen in other leagues, like I've seen, I follow quite a few leagues around Europe and I've seen examples where one team says that they cannot put together a starting eleven, So they eventually, and they put an appeal into the uh, football association saying that we can't start, can we postpone the game? And then obviously the other team, because they want the three points, say no. So I think we've got a similar situation here. But what happens if we do let this kind of thing happen again is that the season will get postponed more and more and more. And we'll just end up having loads of these random games that you know, need to be completed. So in a way, you sort of see the show has to go on in a way. But at the same time, I think I'm still a bit, you know, dubious about the whole situation, how, you know, 
Napoli, even though they cancelled their plane tickets, before the government made their statement, they were still following government guidelines um, regardless. And I'm not sure what kind of still, I think I mentioned last time, what kind of example are we setting the people? You know, what's more important? Is football more important than health, the general public? You know, it's a very interesting topic. But yeah, I would definitely have to agree with the fact, you know, you know these decisions have to be made. It could have gone either way. Yeah, I think... Um... Uh, whatever side of the fence you sit on, it has sort of left a bit of a sour taste in the mouth. James, I'm going to come to you to sort of um, looking at the longer term repercussions. Say the end of the season, uh, Juventus win the league by a couple of points uh, from Napoli, which, you know, isn't completely out of the question. Will there be an asterisk next to that title, given that there was a four-point swing between the teams from this game that wasn't actually played? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a minefield, isn't it, really? It, it, I mean, like the boys say, it, they had to set a precedent almost for the, the kind of the rules and the regulations and, and the protocols to be followed and everything. But it just, it did seem like a, a complete, just a lack of, of common sense and a lack of kind of regard for the, for the overall picture, really. I mean, it, it just... In terms of an asterisk, I don't think there would be one. Obviously, I think Juventus have had a few asterisks in their past, which which they tend to ignore anyway. Um, so, but in terms of the the way that the fans would view it, of course, they'd, they'd feel they have every right to be aggrieved, and it is something that unfortunately we might have to get start getting used to. Um, I mean, we've seen with Lazio all kinds of implications and and all kind of things going on. There's lots of moving parts in that one, so who knows what will happen there and it is something that we might have to get used to which is which is a real shame but that's that's the world that we live in at the moment so i i think it was a there should have been a middle ground and it seemed unnecessarily harsh to to remove the point from them as well but yeah like you say it could open up all kinds of questions and and you know court cases and all this kind of thing and and to be honest that's the last thing that that syria and italian football as a whole needs really i mean tom said that there are other cases in in Europe, I know Granada have an issue at the moment in Spain. Um, so there are other other leagues that are suffering as well. But you know, it it, it is seen Serie A and Italian football through that prism from abroad of uh, corruption and and kind of uh, all these kind of issues, and and that's the last thing that they want really. So um, yeah, they'll be crossing the fingers. I'm sure that that doesn't happen. Yeah, I think uh, I, I have heard talk that Napoli may go for another appeal, maybe take it to a higher uh, governing body or whatever. So we'll have to see if this is truly the end of the matter or if it does rumble on. Yeah. Um, but as we said, we've been, we've been talking about Juventus there and you brought up Lazio as well, James. And uh, those two sides, of course, played this weekend. Lazio picking up a dramatic late equaliser through Felipe Caicedo. Uh, Raphael, I want to come to you. Uh, it was Caicedo's third late goal in the space of a week. Uh, do you think Lazio deserved their point in the end? I think on the balance of the whole match, yeah, they definitely deserved it. I think overall, pretty much throughout the 90 minutes, the match had the same sort of pattern where you had Lazio really just playing around the um, playing around in, in the midfield but not really penetrating. And then Juventus coming away on the counter but generally being quite wasteful. So... I think when you yeah when you look at the balance of play, I think a draw would have would have reflected would have reflected the uh, the match quite well anyway. Um, I think the fact that they they Lazio did 
you know, come back, come back late on again. It's really, it, it, it's just not just not just for Caicedo, but for the whole team. It's a testament of just that they, they never give up, and the fact that they have overcome, you know, having so many absences for throughout the last few weeks because of the um, because of the coronavirus is, you know, it's, it's it's impressive, really. It's it's a testament to how, yeah, just just their never say die attitude, which I thought I thought was summed up well by that clip of. Um, I mean, yeah, they they were, they, were, they released a clip last year of um, a couple of seconds before the before the uh, the equaliser, where you saw where you saw Inzaghi on the touchline, you know, telling his players to to really get a move on because it was the uh, it was the last few minutes of the game. And you saw Adam Marusic ready to take um ready to take a, a throw-in, and Inzaghi actually telling him, pointing him towards the goal, telling him to to take to take it in a forward position so that he could he could set up the goal and end the goal. Obviously happened, and then you saw Inzaghi just sprint down the touchline to join his players, and I think that's you know that's, that really shows that there is a sort of just a general spirit. In that in that squad, and it's it's something which you don't really find it with with Juventus. I think you know a couple of seconds before that throw, you saw Dybala not really having the right attitude, um, not you know kicking the ball out into into touch instead of instead of clearing it. So yeah, I, I think I think definitely it was it was deserved for for Lazio. Yeah, I think, uh, as you say, uh, we really saw the connection between the players and the manager uh, in the final seconds of that game. Uh, and Lazio have come through the last couple of weeks, having had a number of positive COVID tests and uh, so many players injured. They, they've really come through that period well, it seems. Um, and then moving on to Juventus, it was their fourth draw out of you know six games that they've actually played on the pitch seven if you include the Napoli forfeit um what do you what did you make of their performance tom um are they starting to show some signs of improvement it was it was perhaps one of their better performances this season would you say i mean actually i absolutely agree and i thought defensively that was a very 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 impressive performance from the Juventus. rafael mentioned that Lazio were not really penetrating the box. And that's because they weren't able to penetrate the box. They were, you know, they had to go with long shots and crosses into the box that weren't necessarily accurate. And in the whole game, they only had one time when they could actually, you know, they actually got into the box. And that was to Caicedo. And he, they just afforded him just a small amount of space and he just used it straight away. And I think that's what makes Caicedo so special, especially in the last few weeks. It's his ability to find that space and just create a goal just like that. So I think while Juventus have been struggling recently, I think defensively it was a very good performance. They just struggled to close out the game. And I think a lot of the blame must be, you know, rest of the uh, forwards because... They had all these opportunities to score on the counter, but they just weren't able to finish, finish, bury their chances. So I think it was definitely an improved performance. And we must remember, you know, Lazio are one of the top teams in Italy at the moment. So, uh, well, based on last season. So, yeah, I think there were some positives to take away for Juventus from this game. Yeah, it seems that that Barcelona defeat, since then they have improved somewhat, obviously helped by the return of Ronaldo, uh, but the team does seem to be 
coming together a little bit better. Okay, uh, I'd now like to move on to another game from the weekend that was very interesting. Atalanta coming from a goal down to get a draw at home to Inter. Um, We know that both sides have had uh, some real issues in the past couple of weeks. Obviously, Atalanta were hammered by Liverpool recently. Um, What did you make of the game, James? Did, Did you feel it was a fair result in the end? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I do think so. I mean... It's really a, a point that, that doesn't really do either of them much good in a way. It's it's frustrating from Inter's point of view that they they couldn't hold on to the lead. Um, it was obviously quite a late equaliser, so it's frustrating from their point of view that they couldn't quite hold on, and frustrating from Atalanta's point of view that you know Inter were almost there for it for the taking in a way. I felt, and it, it is a point that kind of doesn't really arrest the slide that Atalanta were kind of heading into, obviously on the back of a, a really heavy defeat midweek. So it's a, it's, a, it's a good result really for both sides, but one that doesn't really, um, it, it's not really what either of them needed, to be honest. So yeah, I mean, from Inter's point of view, it, they just haven't really been able to get going. Uh, it doesn't feel like they've really started yet. They keep threatening to, to get going and then they just, can't seem to get get over the line with the results. So yeah, I think on balance probably probably a fair result. But and both managers will probably take it at the end of the day for Inter. It's one of the toughest trips of the season out of the way. And for Atalanta, obviously on the back of such a heavy defeat, it was always going to be a difficult game as well. So important not to lose it in many ways as well. So yeah, a, a fair result, but one which I think both teams will come away from thinking that they they could have really got one over on each other as well. Yeah, I think uh, we sort of saw in the first half perhaps a bit of cautiousness from both sides, having conceded a lot of goals recently. Um, Inter did waste quite a few chances at 1-0 up. Mm-hmm. Um, Raphael, do you think their wastefulness could come back to haunt them as the season goes on, given that you know the previous week against Palmer they had a lot of chances, only got a draw in that game? It seems to be quite a common theme already at this early stage of the season. It does, yeah. But then I think at the same time, the fact that Lukaku is coming back, or at least hopefully he'll be fit again after the international break and after playing with Belgium. Uh, yeah, hope, hopefully the fact that Lukaku is back will sort of solve those problems. I think the, the the bigger worry for them, I think, is in defence because you've got you've got Skriniar and De Vrij who who is still looking quite shaky at the back. You know, they're they're not really defending and they're not really defending these situations that well. Um, and Danovic as well is looking quite shaky. I mean, he let he let in the first um, the first shot on target from uh, from Atalanta the whole game. So yeah, I mean, it's it's. I think I think the one the one sort of department for Inter which is really firing on all cylinders is the midfield. I think Brozovic and Vidal are, you know, they put in they put in a solid they put in a solid shift against Atalanta. So. I think you know that the, the I think for me the defense is a bigger worry than the uh, than the attack because you're always going to miss opportunities here and there. I think the fact that they they're going to have you know a Lukaku and Nautaro partnership back after the international break will go some way to solving that issue. So yeah, for me for me the defense is the is the bigger issue. Yeah, I think we saw last season De Vrij was obviously given Serie A Defender of the Year, but he hasn't started this season in anywhere near the same kind of form. And Skriniar seems to still be struggling in that back three. Um, Tom, I'm going to come to you. Um, first of all, 
Atalanta, you know, really looked quite shaky after going 1-0 down and there was a 10 to 15 minute period where they were sort of on the ropes. But they did fight back um, and got that point in the end. Were you impressed with what they did, particularly given how the Liverpool game had gone? And also looking into the bigger picture, do you still think that Inter and Atalanta can both challenge for the Scudetto this season? I mean, looking at it from Atlanta's perspective, I think it, it was, the, in a way, it was the perfect way to bounce back after, you know, a 5-0 humiliation against Liverpool. You know, it was a very, in a way, it was a very mature performance as well because they were able to force Inter to cross the ball and then didn't really, again, afford them much space in the box. And, you know, the Martinez goal uh, was very difficult to prevent because the way he just flicked the ball over, so that was just individual brilliance but I don't know about you know being title contenders Atlanta this year uh, it's very difficult to see because they had at the moment I feel like at the very end in the last 80 minutes they had that period when Maria had that amazing opportunity to score they could have nicked that game they had the momentum you know if they just scored one goal the game the three points would have been theirs but then again we're looking at from Inter's perspective, you know, Inter weren't able to close out the game either. So, and they weren't able to do it against Madrid either midweek. So, when you look at these two perspectives, you can see that, you know, while Atlanta couldn't finish the job, Inter weren't able to close out the game. It makes it very difficult to see whether they are title contenders. From, when we look at Atlanta, uh, they're playing Spezia and Verona next, and I think we'll learn a lot more. You know, if they can go back to the Atalanta way, so to speak, and just you know get past really easily past uh, Spezia, beat Verona, and with Inter, we'll see how you know Lukaku fares when he comes back. But I think uh, Atalanta's title hopes at the moment, based on their current performance, a bit difficult to say. But I feel Inter with Lukaku coming back, that could change. Yeah, I think the international break seems to have come at a good time for Atalanta, who have had a pretty dodgy last two or three weeks. Uh, on to a side who are currently topping the table and still unbeaten just about uh, Milan. They were 2-0 down, uh, lost captain Romagnoli in the warm-up to an injury, but they did come back and draw 2 all. Uh, I think most people are sort of seeing this in two ways. Um, one, you know, Milan showed great character after a difficult week where they lost in the Europa League. And their resilience could keep them in the title race for the rest of the season. Whilst others perhaps are saying maybe they're a bit short of quality and perhaps it will just be a case of, yeah, let's get back in the top four this year. How do you see it, James? What was your assessment of what happened on Sunday night? Well, I think it, it kind of it, it gives a nice kind of microcosm of, of where Milan are in a way because it, there's obviously been a lot of expect, expectations have been raised kind of massively by the start that they've had. But I think it's also okay that they've done very well and they you know they have done very well. But also it is tempered slightly by there's been a lot of a kind of a mixed bag underneath them. So a lot of the teams that you would expect that would have picked up more points, haven't. So Milan have kind of almost, not by default, because they have played well and they've, they've had good results, but they've, they've found themselves kind of leading the pack. Um, whereas they, they're not probably, in my view, not quite ready for that. I think they, they can definitely uh, challenge and they, they should be up there. And it's about time that they got back up there. But I think they are a young team and I think they're slightly ahead of schedule 
um, in the kind of the project than they than they maybe they would have expected to be. So I think the the start that they've had has raised expectations to the point that you know. You know it looks like a kind of a, a poor result when in actual fact it's it's not really a terrible result. It's a kind of result that um, Milan would probably be expected to have over the last few years. And, and Hellas are kind of a, a difficult team to beat as well. We thought they might drop off, but they've kind of come again. So it's it's a difficult team to play against. And I also, one, one moment that really kind of interested me in this game was Obviously, Ibrahimovic had a difficult game, but when that uh, goal went in uh, Calabria, the one that was disallowed eventually, um, just to, to make it 2-2, wasn't it? Ibrahimovic yeah. ran straight um, straight towards the ball to get the ball out of the net and go again. Even though it was kind of late on, he was wanting to, to get the ball and go again for the winner. So it was interesting to me to see that as a, maybe a mentality shift from Milan. I know Ibrahimovic is a, is a very strong personality and strong mentally anyway, but it was interesting to me that that's maybe where they see themselves now. A point isn't good enough. They should be going for three, but I think we need to slow down a little bit with Milan and realise that, you know, that's actually not a terrible result. They will have these kind of results over the season. And I think that's more an indication of where they're at than kind of going and winning every game. So it may be a slight reality check, but I think it's it's not a worry at all. And obviously to come back from two goals down in any game is um, is impressive and we shouldn't ignore that as well. So still unbeaten and um, and still going well, I think. Yeah, obviously they had to respond after the midweek loss to Lille. And 3-0 it was in midweek, so very convincing defeat. Um, and we saw that particularly in the second half um, with Milan snatching a point at the depth. Um, so they may be slightly stuttering at the moment, but one side who certainly aren't is Roma. Uh, they won 3-1 this weekend against Genoa with Henrik Mkhitaryan getting a hat-trick. Um, obviously, Edin Dzeko was ruled out just uh, a couple of days before kickoff, uh, having tested positive for coronavirus. Uh, we wish him well, of course. Um, Raphael, what, what do you make of Roma? Because I think we thought that they'd struggle, but they're, they're really not at the moment. Um, can they maybe even push for top four this year? Or do you still think probably be Europa League come the end of the season? Well, I would have thought with, um, with Dzeko out, they would have struggled in terms of getting goals. But clearly, Mkhitaryan has has stepped up, and you know it shows it shows that there is they have got the resources. You know, even with these, even with these um these injuries for to Zaniola, for example, and these and obviously obviously they've got um five COVID cases in the in the squad now. There's four four more players after Jacko who've, who've tested positive. But yeah, even even after that, they still um. You know, still found the resources to really to, to get a win. It might be against Genoa, which you know, obviously haven't been have been in the best of form this season anyway. But I think it still shows that they, you know, they are carrying on. Roma are carrying on this 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 good spell of form. Um, you know, on paper, I think if they can carry this form on, then I, I don't see why top four can't be can't be possible. I think. Even moving away from the uh, from the front line, I think the midfield has, has been very impressive this um, this season, especially Jordan Berrettu, who's really stepped up this season. Actually, I thought, and um, obviously you've got the, the defense. You've got some some impressive performance from the likes of Ibanez, um, Kumbula, who well obviously now he's he's tested positive, so um, so he'll be out of action for a bit. Um, 
but yeah, all the way all the way across the team sheet, you've got some you've got some good performers, and even if even if the squad is maybe tilting on on the on the old side, there's there's they've still got a very good mix of experience and uh, and youth, which I think will serve them well this season at least. I don't know if, if afterwards, but yeah, I definitely think they could finish in the top four. You you mentioned there as well that obviously they were playing a Genoa side who aren't in the best form. Uh, you know, Genoa got a new manager at the start of the season under Maran, um, and they got an early season win four one against Crotone. But since then, it's gone pretty much downhill, and they are in the bottom three uh, currently. Um, they've also been battling relegation the last two or three years, really. Tom, do you expect them to be in a relegation battle once more this year? And, and might they finally lose that battle and actually drop into Serie B? I mean, when you just look at the first seven games of the season, it doesn't look good. I mean, they lost, uh, you know, 6 0 against Napoli and Sao Solo, 5 0. And when you just look at this game specifically, but Pellegrini and Vertu and Mkhitaryan just were able to play through the team so easily through the midfield. And even when you, you look at their goal, their goal didn't come from, you know, their brilliance or, you know, their tactical uh, thinking. It was just take from Ibanez, uh, which just allowed Piazza to receive the through ball and score. Which sort of also highlights that Roma, Roma still, you know, defensively are struggling and they do have issues. But in terms of it, going back to Genoa, you know, they got a draw against Sampdoria and Verona. And even those performances, they were very uninspiring. It's just when you look at the team, watch, it's not an exciting team to watch. So, yeah, it's, it doesn't look good at the moment. I definitely think the way it stands, if they don't start improving in the next few rounds, they are definitely relegation candidates, if not already. Yeah, not looking great for them. Um, but of course, things are looking good for Roma. And another team who, you know, things are looking good for, the, the appeal didn't go their way today, but on the pitch they're doing pretty well. And that's Napoli. Uh, they got a 1-0 win against Bologna uh, this weekend. Um, not their best performance, but they did get the result. James, is, do you feel this is the type of game that sort of shows that maybe they can challenge for the title this season? Yes, I mean, yeah, it's always good to grind out results, and it's not something that we've we've maybe seen recently from Napoli as well. So it's important, definitely, to grind out those results away from home. Um, but I don't, I don't, I think, I don't, I don't think they'll challenge for the title. To be honest, I think they came down to earth a little bit with the result last uh, last week against Sassuolo, um, and I think they need to kind of remember last season a little bit and, and we need to kind of remember that this is a squad maybe nearing the end of a cycle in some ways um, and that it's going to take some time to get back back up to the kind of the level there were before. Um, so yes, an important important to win in, in that kind of way to grind out the results. It could have easily gone another way. Uh, also, Lini missed a, a great chance um, in the second half. It was a good save from Ospina, but he really should have scored. So they, they did ride the luck at times, um, but the, the, they're not conceding too many goals. Um, and, you know, Ossiman important for him to get back on the score sheet. So, yeah, a, a good result and, and one which, you know, it's necessary to get if, you, if you're going to, and you're going to go all the way and, and obviously like I mentioned before the other teams that you might have expected to be picking up points or more points certainly haven't really done it so if they keep chugging along and getting those kinds of wins picking those kinds of wins up then 
then yeah, why not? But um, I do think they're uh, you know they should be aiming for Champions League places should be their priority really. They've got Milan up next after the international break, so I think that'll be a good kind of barometer uh, to to see more a little bit where they're at. But yeah, a, a good win and an important win for them. But no, I don't think they're um, I don't think they're quite ready to challenge. To be honest with you. Yeah, as you say, that Napoli Milan uh, straight after the international break, so should be a cracker there. Uh, and another team who are high flying, currently second in the table, uh, that's Sassuolo. However, they were um, they were held to a draw on Friday night by Udinese. Um, Raphael, going to come to you for this one. Perhaps seen as a slight setback for the side that they would have expected to win that. But do you think it's an example? It's an example of how competitive Serie A this uh, is this season. Uh, we had six draws across the weekend, and you know, it, sort of examples of bottom half teams being able to get a result on their day against the more fancied sides. Yeah, I think the. I think the main the main point is that last year's top clubs have just been generally underperforming, and that's sort of left room at the top four clubs like Milan and Sassuolo to take the top spots. You know, they've, it's a sort of a vacuum's been left at the top, and they've sort of they've taken it. Uh, I mean, yeah, the only question is whether they'll be able to carry on that good form and you know make good on the on the position they've sort of carved themselves out, which. Yeah, it's, it's, it's the only question really because so far, you know, none none of the none of the well last year's top four really have been have been firing on all cylinders. I think eventually, eventually things will settle into a into sort of into a, a recognisable pattern. Eventually, you know, I'm not sure Sassuolo will will last that long at the top there. I think for Juventus, things will. Things will work themselves out in the end. I think they they always they always manage to. You know, I think it's it's part of the club's culture as well to sort of get there eventually in the end, and um, mount a title challenge. For and then for the, for the rest of the year, well, for last year's top four, I think they'll eventually settle into a good rhythm as well. I think Milan will stay up there as well, um, on the evidence of what we've seen so far. So I think we'll, we'll generally just see those five teams battle it out for the. The rest of the season, which you know should make for a really a really exciting competition. Yeah, definitely. And of course, um, the Sassuolo game was nil nil, and another nil nil that we had was between Parma and Fiorentina, and that's not been good enough for Beppe Iacchini to retain his job. He's been sacked um, and replaced by Cesare Prandelli, uh, who of course previously managed Fiorentina. Tom, for you, was this the right move? And and if so, then then why? I mean, I feel like the Ankini second was long overdue. I remember when at the start of the season we were so excited to see this team play, and this game against Parma was so uninspiring. I felt like you, when you were watching the game, you knew it was time to change. And when you look at you know who's coming in, you know Prandelli, and I think that that is just in a way one of the best replacements you could have asked for because he spent you know five years at the club previously between 2005 and 2010 and just transformed the team into this mid-table club that played in Europe season in, season out. And, you know, thanks to his amazing performance at Fiorentina, he was able to land the Italy job, you know, in 2010. So I think this has just been the right move. And I feel like, you know, being able to sack uh, Iancini right now and then being able to get Prandelli 
who knows the culture of the club is so important. And I think, I truly think that they could actually start, you know, climbing up the table now. Maybe if they give him a bit of time, they'll be able to get his philosophy through to his team and then we'll see a much better Fiorentina. Yeah, I think um, people are, are definitely happy to uh, see Prandelli back. Um, and it seems there may be a change of formation. Obviously, Iacchini has favoured a 3-5-2, which hasn't seemed to suit the side uh, in the last few weeks. Um, whilst Prandelli might go for a, a more natural 4-3-3 or, or something like that. Um, James, how, how do you see the situation? Do, do you think it's a good appointment to bring Prandelli back? Or would you have liked perhaps, I don't know, a little more ambition in the side to go for, you know, maybe Maurizio Sarri's name has been mentioned, Luciano Spalletti. Would you like to see maybe one of those two get the role? Yeah, maybe, but I do think it is a good signing. I mean, it, it's more a safe pair of hands in many ways, isn't it? Because we, it, I mean, it could go either way. The Fiorentina are, are in that funny position at the moment where they, they're not too far away really from the relegation places, but they're also a good a few good results and they can kick on and go up the table. For me, they've got the squad that can do that. Um, so whether Prandelli can get the, the best out of them, you know, we'll see. But he's certainly done it before. Um, as Tom says, he knows the culture of the club, he knows what's expected there. Um, so it's I think it's it's a clever appointment in many ways. It's a it's a safe pair of hands in it and it could be good enough, I think, when there is such a as Raf said before, there's a bit of a vacuum towards the top end of the table. A good few results, they can put a bit of form together and that suddenly they can be kind of um, right up there. So, yeah, I think it's a good appointment. I think, I do wonder maybe how long it's for, whether it's a little bit of a stopgap in a way. I'm not sure what how long the length of the contract is for him. Um, I know Sally's still involved in the kind of the, um, he's still on the contract at Juve, isn't he? He's technically on gardening leave. So there was a little bit of whether they can get him out of the contract or not. So I do wonder whether there's been conversations um, and and Sally would possibly come in at the end of the season. Um, but, you know, that's pure kind of speculation on my part. I would love to see it because I think it is a kind of project that might be right for Sally after after the Juventus job. Um, it's, a, it's a big club waiting for, for somebody to come and, and do something massive there, really. So I do wonder whether it's a little bit of a stopgap, but I think, yeah, it, it was definitely needed to um, have a bit of a change. And I think he'll certainly steady the ship and could push them on towards the European places. Yeah, I, be- I believe Frandelli's contract is just for until the end of the season. Um, and then I've seen the likes of um, Sari, Spalletti and even Iran- Ivan Juric, the uh, current Hellas Verona manager, linked. So we'll have to see what they decide next summer. So for the final section of the show, we're going to go through the rest of the action from the weekend and no better place to start than Spezia pulling off a 3-0 away win at Benevento. Uh, Raphael, how impressed have you been uh, with Spezia so far this season? Already picking up a couple of wins, comfortably clear of the relegation zone for now. Um, Do you think they can stay up this season? I think they've definitely outperformed expectations. I think staying up is definitely well within their reach. Um, You know, there's a few players throughout the team who've Really, sort of stepped up to the challenge of say, of playing in the um, playing in the top league. Uh, I mean, I want to pick out the midfielder Tomaso Borbega, who's who scored. Um, I think he scored against Juventus as well, and and again this um, this uh, this week. He's he's been he's been quite impressive making these runs in from midfield. And but obviously he's not the only one. I think generally there is a sort of um, there's a sort of good feeling about the squad, which 
has led them to you know getting these wins. Obviously, it helps that it was against um, it was against a, I guess you could call them a Benevento relegation um, sort of candidate as well. Um, you know, fellow promoted side, which um, you know so they'll have been familiar with them from playing against them last season. So that will have helped. But I think generally across the board, it's been a very impressive, uh, impressive campaign from them this. Yeah, and then their opponents, as you said, Benevento, uh, probable relegation candidates. Um, I think most people expect them to put up a better fight than they did last time they were in Syria. Uh, but they have already lost five of their first seven and have conceded 20 in the league. No side has conceded more. Tom, uh, do you think Pippo Inzaghi's under a bit of pressure already? Um, and, and do you think Benevento might go down at the first time of asking once more? I don't know. At the start, I remember they won their first game of the season, and everyone was like, "Wow, this is this is going to be so interesting." You know, they actually going to really give staying up a go here. And then we also talked about you know how their defenses, you know, with Glicken defense, you know that you know they're building on solid foundations. However, as you mentioned, with like twenty goals conceded, like that's clearly not happening. Whether you know Pivot should be fired, I think it's too early to call. However, you know when they looked at the season schedule at the beginning of the season you know Spezia would have been on the list of teams that they want to beat however you know they were unable to do that and they weren't even close to getting a result so there was a big difference between the two sides so at the moment yeah I definitely think they are relegation candidates but I don't know I think they should give Inzaghi a few more games to see whether he can turn this around yeah, and, and of course, they conceded four in the Coppa Italia defeat to Empoli. So, yeah, real problems at the back, it seems, which they'll have to fix if they are to stay up this year. Uh, but then we had Cagliari uh, playing Sampdoria uh, on Saturday afternoon. Cagliari picked up a comfortable uh, win. Sweet victory for Eusebio Di Francesco, given the turmoil that... Uh, that ensued at Sampdoria last season when he lasted just seven games. Um, Cagliari have been a bottom half team for quite a few seasons now, but James, do you feel perhaps they could push into that top half this year? Already got three wins under their belt this season. Yeah, I do actually, yeah, I do. I, I like what they're doing. I like what Di Francesco's doing. I think he was a little bit of a, a coup in a way for them to, to get him there. I know it didn't, as you mentioned, it didn't work out the way you hoped at Samp um, but I think he, before that he was very highly rated what he did with Roma and things so I think it was a bit of a coup to get him there and I do like the look of them to be honest I think they've got an, a nice kind of youthful look to the side obviously João Pedro has has made a transition in, in the last couple of years from a kind of a steady um, Serie A forward to a kind of a, a quite a prolific one and he looks like he's, he's picked up kind of where he left off last season so yeah I think with Unas and, um, and Simeone I think they've got a nice kind of a trio there I like the look of, of Nandes behind as well it was a brilliant goal that he scored um, at the weekend and, and him with, with Marin in there as well I think they've got a nice young kind of base there and I think they might surprise a few teams this season obviously they started well last year and they, and they kind of faded off um, so so that could kind of happen again but they, they look a little bit more steady this time around a little bit more wily um, and I think they've got the kind of the tools to surprise a few and yeah I, I expect them actually to to make a, a little bit of a, a play towards a kind of the Europa League places. Yeah, of course, they were excellent before Christmas last year and then it quickly fell apart with uh, 
Rolando Maran losing his job towards the end of the season. So we'll have to see if they can maintain it this year. But but already a couple of good results for them. Um, and then the final game of the weekend, we're not going to spend long on it because it was pretty dire. Uh, Torino and Crotone finished goalless. Both sides currently, you know, towards the foot of the table. Uh, Marco Giampaolo did get his first win of, as coach last week against Genoa. But do you still think that he is... Um, in trouble of losing his job, Raphael, and, and could you see both of these clubs getting relegated come the end of the season? I mean, I really want Giampaolo to succeed because yeah, he's, he's, he, he has gone through a lot with that with that spell at Milan, and he, you know he has been given a second chance. But at the same time, it, it is looking more and more like his time at Sampdoria was just a one-off because he hasn't been he, clearly he hasn't been able to replicate it that well um, at Milan and. Um, at Torino, even though at Torino, he, yeah, he has got a lot of his former players from Sampdoria that they uh, they brought in over the summer. But yeah, I mean, it's 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 a, it's a difficult one because there is there is improvement on you know in terms of the way that the team is playing. You know, they're less um, they're less Belotti dependent than they would have been last season. And the results the results haven't been there, but at the same time. You, know, you look at the game against uh, against Lazio, for example. You know they could have easily gotten the win there, but for a you know a bit of a collapse in the last few minutes. You know I think if you look at the uh, if you yeah if you look at just the the style of play that he's tried to implement, you know he's very he's very tactical way of um, of looking at of approaching the team. You know he he has he, he has left an imprint on the team. It hasn't really taken hold yet in the sense that it's, it's producing results, but I'm I'm still holding out for, for you know for an upturn in form for them for them to to really show that they are a Giampaolo team. Yeah, it seems we'll have to wait and see how they get on after the international break. Um, certainly, that win against Genoa has hopefully brought him a few more games in terms of. Uh, in terms of showing what he can do with this Torino side. Okay, well, thanks for joining me, guys. Uh, that concludes the episode. Um, thanks, everyone, for listening, and we'll catch you again soon. Bye-bye.